Welcome to Today in the Word with Pastor Bob Larson of Calvary Chapel Caldwell. Pastor Bob will be with us in just a few minutes, but first we'd like to let you know that Calvary Chapel is located on the corner of 10th and Everett, across from the library in downtown Caldwell. We have two Sunday morning services at 9.30 and 11.30. If you prefer Saturday nights, we have a Saturday night service at 7 p.m. We also have a midweek service Wednesday night at 7 p.m. You can watch Today in the Word on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on ABC Channel 6.1. Join us as we broadcast Calvary Chapel Caldwell's Sunday morning church services, where Pastor Bob teaches you how to apply the truths in your Bible to your everyday experiences so that you might enjoy a better life. Today, the title of the message is, Who Am I? And so let's pick it up together uh, in 2 Samuel verse 7, verse 18. It says, Then the king, David, went in and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house that you have brought me this far? And yet this was a small thing in your sight, O Lord God, and you have also spoken of your servant's house for a great while to come. Is this the manner of man, O Lord God? Now what more can David say to you? For you, Lord God, know your servant. You know, one day King David is, you know, sitting in his palace thinking about uh, God and and thinking about how good God is, and he decides, hey, uh, I live in a nice house, and so I want to build a nice house for God, uh, because now people worship God, in, worship God in a tent. You know, they had a tent for the tabernacle, and so David wanted to build a new worship center for everybody to worship, and, and, uh, and so he asked Nathan, and Nathan the prophet tells him, yeah, go do it, and then uh, that night, God speaks to Nathan and said, Nathan, why'd you tell David to do that? I don't want him to do that, and so uh, there we pick it up in verse four, and that says, uh, but it happened that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan saying, now therefore thus shall you say to my servant David, thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the uh, sheepfold from following the sheep to be ruler over my people over Israel and your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever according to all these words and according to all this vision. So Nathan spoke to David. So God speaks to David or to Nathan and says, hey, you got to go tell David he can't do that. And, and so Nathan comes to David and basically says, hey, David, I have some good news and I have some bad news. So we'll start with the bad news. God said that you cannot build him a house. And so, uh, but the good news is that God is going to build you a house and from your descendants will come the Christ, the savior of the world, who will be establishing an everlasting kingdom. And so I, I love this, that David gets good news and bad news. And remember now, we're looking at David as a man after God's own heart. And what does David do? He focuses on the good news, right? And, and what do you do if someone comes to you and says, got some good news, got some bad news? What do you think about the rest of the day, right? Well, David thinks about the good news. Now, as Nathan uh, told David, you know, uh, he's telling him what God reminded him. He said, hey, look, God took you as a shepherd boy, made you a ruler. And no doubt, as, as Nathan was telling David that, that David was thinking about his life, that he was a nobody shepherd. He was a little shepherd boy, nobody special. His family wasn't rich, wasn't famous. Uh, nobody knew about him. The lifestyle of rich and famous were, were, didn't come to David's house as a kid to interview him and see how they're doing. And yet, God chose David and made him the king of Israel. And as David is thinking about all of that, you know, Nathan continued on to tell David, not only has God brought you from these humble beginnings and made you king, but he has better things in store for the future. He's going to do great things in your life. Through your descendants is going to come the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And so 
David is just overwhelmed by all of this. He has good news and bad news, but he's thinking about all the good and what God has done and what God's going to do. And so that's when David goes uh, there in verse 18. It says, then David went in and sat before the Lord. So David goes in and just praying and talking to the Lord. And David says to God, who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me this far? So he's saying, God, why, why are you doing all this for me? And yet this was a small thing in your sight, O Lord God, and you have also spoken of your servant's house for a great while to come. Is this the manner of man, O Lord God? Now what more can David say to you? For you, Lord God, know your servant. So as David thinks about all the great things that God has done and what God is going to do, David says, who am I? Oh, Lord God. Now, he's not saying, who am I like I'm confused? He's just saying, who am I that you would do this for me? Because God reminded David there through Nathan that, look, you, you came from, you know, as a little shepherd boy, uh, you know, and God took you and did great things in your life and helped you to defeat all your enemies. Now Israel's all united, and David, things are going well. And David thought about his past, and he thought about how he wasn't perfect. And those of you who have been going through the Bible with us, and we read 1 Samuel, you know, David had some flaws. He did some things he shouldn't have done. And David understood, I'm a sinner, I'm not perfect, and yet God blessed my life, and God has done these great things in my life. And so that's why David says, who am I, O Lord God? I I mean, who am I? And, And I think every person who genuinely has an experience with the grace of God, responds by saying, who am I, God, that you would do this for me? Who am I that you would choose me, that I would receive your grace and that your son would die on the cross in my place and and that you would pay the ransom to set me free from sin? Who am I that you love me so much, God? And I think that's a normal response. And, And I do think that it is good for us, as the Bible says, to meditate on the things that are good and lovely and pure and holy and righteous because the world wants you to meditate on all the things that are bad and terrible and what you don't have, right? But, but David gets good news, bad news, and he focuses on the good news. The Apostle Paul said the same sort of thing in Ephesians 3.8. He said, to me, who am least than the, less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given. The Apostle Paul had that same heart like David, like, God, I, I'm a nobody, and, and why did you save me? Why did you put your, pour out your grace on me? And, you know, when a person genuinely experiences God's grace, there, there is always those overwhelming times where you just think, God, why did you do this for me? Right, because for me now, even still, many of my family members are not Christian. And, and you know, uh, I always think about, and people ask me, like, you know, what do you think about, you know, when you weren't Christian and now you are? Like, I would never go back. It's so much better having a relationship with God. I mean, you just watch people, and you see the drama and the foolish decisions they make. And, and David, you know, realizes that God did a great thing in his life. But David sees it from the proper perspective. When he says in verse 18, who am I, O Lord God? He sees it from the right perspective. Too often, we look at ourselves in the perspective of comparing ourselves with other people, right? And, and, and that's what Jesus said was the problem with the Pharisees. You know, the Pharisees were the religious people of the day, uh, the do-gooder religious people. And Jesus said to them in John 8, 15, you judge according to the flesh. In other words, Jesus was saying, you know, you compare yourselves with other people, and so then you think you're good because you can always find somebody who's worse than you, right? And so the Bible tells us we shouldn't compare ourselves to other people because you can always find some loser that you can say, look, I'm doing better than him, right? Or her or whatever it might be. And so the Bible says that's not what we should do. And in fact, Jesus told a, a little uh, illustration there in Luke 18.10 where he talked about a Pharisee and a tax collector. And he said, the religious churchgoer guy, in verse 10, it says, 
Uh, then two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, that's the church guy, and the other a tax collector, which is kind of considered, you know, a, a, you know, heathen. In verse 11, and the Pharisee stood up and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. So this guy was religious, obviously fit and healthy, fast twice a week. And he's like, God, aren't you happy to have me on your team, right? I mean, this guy's perspective was that, you know, I'm good because I'm comparing myself to somebody else. Now, now Jesus went on to say, that is the wrong attitude. We should never look at other people and, and think, I'm doing better, right? Because that's not reality. That, that's a false reality. But uh, the next guy, the tax collector, uh, you know, he gets up and, and, and he sees it from a very different perspective. And, and this religious guy's like, thank you, God, that I'm not a loser like all these other people and the, these sinners. I'm not a sinner, right? But now the next guy in verse 13, the tax collector stood afar off and would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. See, this guy had the right perspective. Jesus said that guy had the right view of himself, that he's a sinner. And, and the Bible tells us, not to measure ourselves with other people, but we need to see ourselves in the light of God's design, in, in the light of God's holiness, God's purity, God's grace, and, and then I see myself in the true light. And that's what I love about reading the Bible. It's what I love about coming to church is because it helps us to see reality, the truth about who I am, about who God is, about why I do what I do. David says in verse 18, who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me this far? And yet, this was a small thing in your sight, O Lord God, and you have also spoken of your servant's house for a great while to come in the future. In other words, David said, it's spectacular what you've already done in my life, but then, God, you talk about that you're going to do greater things in the future, right? And, and that is really an exciting thought. David's thought processes are very healthy for a good life. He thinks about what God has done for him, and then he says, God, that's so awesome. And then, God, you're going to do even greater things in my life. Do you realize that the Bible says the same is true for you and me? That the Bible says that God is going to do greater things in the future in our lives than he's already done. In fact, in Ephesians 2, 7, it says that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. In other words, that we're going to be learning and growing about learning God's grace in the future. For the ages to come, we're going to be continually growing in God's grace. Because really, I can't comprehend it. Why would Jesus die for me? And he loves me, and he forgave me. It's like, wow, can you comprehend that? I can't comprehend that. But here's the great thing. We're going to continue to understand that and grow in that throughout eternity. Then in 1 Peter 1, 2, or 1, 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. I mean, that's, do you think about that? That God has given us a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God. I mean, did you think about that very much? Right? That, that God has an inheritance for you that's incorruptible. I mean, it can't be corrupted undefiled, that doesn't fade away, it's reserved for you in heaven, and it's kept by the power of God. Now, the good news about all that is it has nothing to do with you, <laughs> right? It's God's power that is doing all of that work. I mean, our part is just to say, I want it, and to surrender to it. God has greater things in store for your life in the future than he's already done in the past. Now, when you think about those things, it just really causes you to be overwhelmed with, with God's goodness, right? And, and I think that the world wants you to think just the opposite, 
The world wants you to think about everything that's bad and wrong, and we need to deal with problems. I'm not saying you should stick your head in the sand, uh, you know, but the world wants you to think about what you don't have and meditate on all the people that have done you wrong, and, and what does that do? It causes you to be bummed out and, and just feeling sad, right? But the Bible tells us we should look at the good that God's done. We should look forward, not live in the past. Look forward to the great things God has in store. And, and the Bible tells us that God is going to do greater things in the future. And when you realize that this life here on earth, the Bible says we're sojourners. We're just passing through, right? This is, this is a temporary stop, right? And, and the Bible says that our eternal life is in heaven. And, and I love to think about how short life is. Because sometimes, you know, you can think, oh, life is hard, but it's short. Thank you for joining us for Today in the Word. We'd like to share with you a couple of things that are going on here at Calvary Chapel. Calvary Chapel Caldwell is now hiring full-time and part-time positions for our exciting Calvary Kids Learning Center. If you enjoy working with children from newborn through kindergarten, please give us a call at 453-9653. Positions are Monday through Friday with our availability to fit your schedule. To learn more about these exciting opportunities, please call 453-9653. We look forward to meeting with you. Calvary Chapel Caldwell would like to invite you to our Saturday night service at 7 p.m. This is an alternative for those who cannot make it to our Sunday morning services. Like us on Facebook at Calvary Chapel Caldwell or check out our website at calvarycaldwell.com. You can watch Today in the Word on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. on The CW, Channel 2.2. Join us as we broadcast Calvary Chapel Caldwell's Sunday morning church services, where Pastor Bob teaches you how to apply the truth in your Bible to your everyday experiences so that you might enjoy a better life. If you would like a copy of Pastor Bob's message today in its entirety, you can call us at 208-453-9653 during the hours of 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. If you're not currently attending a church and are in the Caldwell area, We'd like to invite you to one of our services. We're located on the corner of 10th and Everett, right across from the library in downtown Caldwell. You can also visit us on the web at calvarycaldwell.com. If Today in the Word is ministered to you and you would like to support this radio outreach ministry, we encourage you to pray for us. You can also partner with us financially. Simply visit calvarycaldwell.com to make a donation. Thank you for joining us for Today in the Word. May the Lord bless you. May you have a great day. Today is the day you